everyone, Amina here with the Float Small Business Podcast, speaking with Rick Tarosi, founder of Pi, here to talk about startup mentality, why being a founder is really, really hard, and how to navigate that during this really difficult time. Thanks so much, Rick. Yeah, thank you. Um, I have a little bit of a hypothetical question for you. Okay. So um, you're in a new country, you're visiting, and you run into somebody cool, and you strike up a conversation, and they ask you, um, so what do you do for a living? How do you explain that? How do you explain what you do to a stranger? Uh, <laughs> I The short one is I start startups that help other startups. The, the, um, the longer version is I'm really just, my role is just being a coach for business. And um, the other aspect is like many coaches, it's not necessarily what I have the ability or capability of doing. It's the people I know who know things. Mm -hmm. And so um, if I'm doing anything with my English major, it's uh, seeing plot lines where characters need to connect at some point in the in the distant future even though they might not realize why their paths are crossing or why those folks are connecting so yeah i just i connect dots and you seem to love it for an introvert i don't know why but yes the thing that always humbles me is that people trust me with helping to make those connections. Like they're like, I had no idea why I'm supposed to talk to this person, but if you say I'm supposed to, then I'm gonna do it. So that kind of that kind of thing is always um, super rewarding and, and humbling for me that the people entrust me with that kind of work. Well, I think you've set a precedent that um, <laughs> those are gonna be valuable. Hopefully, yeah, not always, <laughs> but most of the time, hopefully. Something that I've been wondering about yeah, I mean, I'm a silver linings type of person, so I'm trying to find like what we can learn from this. Could we have prevented some of the suffering that we are experiencing now through financial literacy being taught more in high schools or mm. something else? What are you seeing that we could have done better that we should do better moving forward? I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to, yeah, just business basics. I went through that very naively in the in the dot com days, but that was a very short lived time period where we were all, um, you know, overly optimistic about the potential of the web at that point in time. And I think we um, kind of learned our mistakes there, but we recreated them this time around simply because the economy had been doing so well for so long. I think we allowed ourselves to kind of be fooled into, oh, wait, maybe this time it's going to work. Like, right. maybe it's just up into the right forever from here on out. And that's just not realistic. The stuff's cyclical. And so I think the other yeah. thing this is prompting is a lot of historical um, research, like how did the globe deal with pandemics in 1918? Like, how did, you know, how did businesses recover from the Great Depression? How did we put people back to work? Like, mm -hmm. what can we, what can we look back to, to learn from and, and kind of figure our way out of this? So, yeah, I think uh, it's, uh, I'm a dumb jock. I played sports all through school. And, um, and so there was always this, there's always this, 
thing where there'd be some, you know, really compelling new young athlete who had no sense of the history of the sport. And that was always like a disconnect where like people who were, there were often these, these, um, exemplary athletes who were not only really good at the sport, but had an understand, they'd studied the sport and they had an understanding of the history and those who came before them. And I think we need something like that for business. Like it's not just who, you know, and who's going to write you a check, but you have an appreciation for how this system has been created in the first place. Well, and I think that a lot of people start companies because they love working in the business. They don't always start a business because they love business. They love the thing that the business does. And (laughs) okay. (laughs) So you've seen this before. (laughs) And that was my, that was my problem as a, as a founder on my founder journey was I was like, what do you mean? I don't get to work on the thing I was passionate about anymore. And I have to focus on all this other stuff to, to drive the business and make that. I want to just go back and muck around with my little thing that I like working on. So then is your advice on that front to, for those people who don't realize that the business part needs to be a large component, is, is your advice to find a way to love that or to just not make your hobby a business? Uh, (laughs) that's a really good question. Uh, for, for some folks, it can be a little bit of both. So I think the luckiest folks are those who find um, co-founders or other team members that complement them in ways that allow them to still get some joy out of building the business. So that in the tech world, that often happens as, uh, especially in Portland, this happens a lot where it's a technical person who's engineered a product and they happen to find somebody who is more business savvy or marketing savvy to partner with. But I, I, (laughs) I think just because you've built a product or just because you've made something, there's a real push in, and it's very U S centric, but there's a real push to kind of like make that into your job. And that's not necessarily what you always have to do. Sometimes it's okay to have hobbies. Like, You can just play the guitar. You don't need to record an album. Like, you, the, the people need those outlets. Yeah. And I think Portland's really well-rounded in that regard, and that's something I've always appreciated about our business community is we're not a live-to-work community. We're very much a work-to-live mm-hmm. community. So people, like, will buckle down and work hard for, you know, eight to ten hours a day. But then, you know, they've got beer to brew or something to knit or like, you know, they've got to ride their bike a couple hundred miles or whatever. <laughs> and they, they have that kind of balance, which has always been nice. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes you get too much positive feedback here where it's like, I have this really wacky idea for a business and everybody says that's a good idea. Like um, nobody is willing to say, no, you shouldn't do that. There's no, there's no there there. Just keep that as your hobby. Um, there's no bad cop. There's only good cop. Okay. So, and so (laughs) we need some more bad cops. Okay. So so this is perfect because my next question was going to be to ask you to be the bad cop. So you've just segued right perfectly. Um, is there anything that you think small businesses need to hear right now that nobody is saying? 
I mean, I think the I think the hard bad cop thing to say is, you know, this this might be it. Like you might have to shut this thing down. Like it might be the best idea in the world. You might be really strong at it, but there there are economic dynamics happening that are completely out of your control. And it is very similar in a really, really weird way to the dot-com days. Mm-hmm. Like the, the businesses that failed or that grew ridiculously big and then, and then imploded in those days weren't necessarily bad ideas. And they weren't, it wasn't necessarily like foolish people running those companies or running them poorly. It was simply based on the misconception that there were enough people on the web to support those products. Like, I think you could go back then and find some of the most ridiculous ideas. Fast forward to the future where there are now millions of people online who would potentially support that business and it would work perfectly fine these days. It was just a population issue and and that's what we were kind of um, ignoring at that point in time. And I think that's that's kind of what we're going to go through this time again. And so, yeah, the hardest thing is, you know, it's <laughs> it's not you, it's the economy, right? Like you, this worked before, but that's not how things work anymore and and you have to pay attention to the data you have to pay attention to the market and and be willing to say this was this was good but it's not going to make it through here right it's about being objective like stepping outside of the emotional connection and seeing it for what it really is which is really hard when you're in love with it because it's yours and you're committed to it but um i think the good news in all that is that entrepreneurs don't see failure as a stopping point. So even if one thing doesn't work, and yeah. and even if the whole business actually has to go away, there's there's that inherent I'm going to get back up again and I'm going to try something else, something new. I'm going to pivot. I'm going to you know, and and that's what I really love about small business and entrepreneurs in general is that we never give up. You know, there were some things that were seen as truisms in the industry, like I need a retail location if I'm going to do this, where this situation has kind of had them rethink that, where it's like, well, maybe I could do all direct to consumer, or maybe there's a different way to approach this. So I think, I think once we get, once we get through being worn down by this situation, we're going to see entrepreneurs come up with some pretty interesting ways to get around these problems and uh, and to probably also capitalize on some opportunities that they may not have realized even existed. It's right. only because of this situation that they will be inspired to come up with that solution. So is that what the good cop in you thinks? <laughs> That's what the hopeful, optimistic, entrepreneurial part of me thinks. Do you have any thoughts on how a small business that may not be a classic startup that may have been around for 10 years, let's say. Yep. Um, what lessons from the startup mentality can they borrow to either increase their chance of succeeding right now or yeah. just feel a greater sense of optimism that they can push through? Yeah, I think um, one of the things, and I was never good at this, like one of the startups that I 
did was like if you were to write a book about all the things to do wrong when you're running a company we were basically following that book um i think it's that maybe you should write that book maybe i should write that book i could definitely write it a few times but the um it's that it's that ability to reassess your situation actively. I think if you've been in a business that's been working for 10 years, you've convinced yourself that there's some magic to why that worked or how it worked. And just giving yourself, again, back to the objectivity, giving yourself the time and space to step back and say, does it have to run this way? Or is there another way to run it? Um, I think the other aspect that, really good startups embrace really well. It's not only are they not only are they comfortable with bigger failure, but they're also cover comfortable with super, with miniature failures along the way. Yeah. So they'll try something and it won't work and they're like, "Okay, well that didn't work now, but let's that's what we learned there. Maybe we'll try it again in the future." Um, but don't be afraid to like test things and that can be really scary for a company that's built up a brand Mm. and you know has built up expectations in the market with a customer base um so that might need to happen you know in an offshoot kind of project like just go buy a url and a wordpress site or a squarespace site and try some new name and new concept and see how it resonates with the market even if it's not even if it's not aligned with your existing brand, even if there's no reference to what you're doing, like there are ways to try ideas without um, without hurting the brand equity you've already built yeah. for your company. And, and you never know unless you start socializing it. Now is the time to be sharing those ideas with everybody yeah. and getting as much feedback as you possibly can because those are the data points that are gonna help you decide what the path forward is for the for the foreseeable future yeah i could see that in hard times people would want only positive feedback but Mm -hmm. i think it's like you're saying it's really important to open yourself up to getting feedback that might be uncomfortable to hear for a moment but will help you in the short and the long term for many of us and i'm this way with pi or silicon florist or whatever like so much of my own ego and sense of self-worth is wrapped up in those projects that sometimes it's hard to step back and take that feedback objectively or have empathy for the person who's providing that feedback. But I always find that once, when I can once in a while actually get that distance that I need, that that's when I always make the best decisions about what we should be doing and how we should be doing it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thanks so much, Rick. Yeah, thank you. That was awesome.